someone by your side, someone who has your back, a person you can be real with, sharing your gripes and your dreams with, a person who is reliable, trustworthy, and faithful. I have found that best friends like this are usually found by sharing life together. Not really any other way. For me specifically, my greatest friends were made through hardship and times of trial. Just that time we shared together in those, in those hard times. Maybe your experiences are different, but one thing is for sure. The people that God has put in your life like this are very valuable. They are worth road tripping with, serving at their wedding, and staying with them in the hospital. They are people that you would be anxious to work alongside with, mourn with and celebrate together, and even if necessary, hang your head and cry with them, if it came to that. You know the gifts they like, you know what motivates them, and you go out of your way to hunt or shop or sit down and have dinner with them. They're in your pictures and you are in theirs, and you would never be ashamed to be called their friend. Over time, the strength of your relationship is proven. And if you died tomorrow, this is probably the person that you'd want to speak at your funeral. Some of you probably married your best friend like I did. And now you try to spend every day together making the most of your relationship. Everything that you do, your work, your life, everything you do for fun, revolves around doing that with them. They are an essential part of everything that you plan now and for the future. Everything, even your life as you envision it in the future, involves them in a big way. And it's hard to see life without them there. Every menial task of the day just seems like a stepping stone or another hurdle so that you can get back to what really matters, spending time with them. You think and you live this way because you really love them. You'd take a bullet for them, likely because they would do the same for you. Let me ask this hypothetical question then. How would that relationship fare if you stopped talking to them? No texts, no letters, no pictures of trophy kills or Christmas cards. Better yet, what if every time your friend called, you didn't answer the phone? You just let it ring to voicemail every time. Deciding that you were too busy or because of some unresolved conflict that you had in the past, you just don't have the energy to deal with them right now. What if you stopped responding to them or listening to them altogether? Eventually, you just flat out ignore them. Despite their unrelenting efforts to show you that they care and want you around, what would happen to your relationship with them? Would it grow? Deteriorate? Possibly stagnate? It certainly wouldn't grow. Eventually, they might start getting the message that you're really sending to them. That time with them is not important to you. They are not worth the effort. Or they have become too inconvenient to stay connected to. The time that you had together that once made you strong now weakens your bond. And the neglected relationship begins to just fade away. 
whether brother or sister, husband or wife, best bud or trusted girlfriend, these relationships become unhealthy without good communication, and they are condemned to be forgotten without deliberately living in a way that places them as a priority. Even more damaging is the way that we hurt or betray them without repentance. If in selfish intent we forsake the connection, the connection with them for something else or someone else. This is what happens when we take love for granted. We often consider the people closest to us as the ones that can take the most punishment because they are the ones who are most secure, who we have the most confidence in that they love us. And we take that love for granted. We feel that they can handle the ways that we neglect and hurt them. But when we disregard them, we're really hurting ourselves. We become, become broken and our life together that we once had begins to collapse and deteriorate. Our connection with God was broken in such a greater way than that. By our sin, our lives were severed from our Holy Father. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's no one righteous in, among all of humanity that deserves that relationship or that could make that relationship connection save for one. The one we celebrated yesterday. The one we praise God for today. The name above all names whose power and righteousness and love are above all. He is the hope we have in our weakness. He is the source of mercy to the poor in spirit. Jesus is the Savior of the world. This is what hurts me the most. And what hurt me a lot this week is realizing with all the busyness of things going on, the ways that I neglected my relationship with God, the ways that I... forsake his love in that consistent connection that persistent love that he showers on me and how I often take that for granted and focus on the things of the world I often treat him like a grocery store clerk he gives me what I need every day and like an ignorant and ungrateful child, I just let those opportunities for good time together pass right by. And it hurts. But the thing that changes that, the thing that draws us back to him, even in our shame or in our weakness, is that in spite of how we feel or what we have done, God has made us his greatest priority. Do you know what it takes to fix a broken relationship with a friend or a family member? It takes humility. It takes grace. It takes mercy. And it takes love. you know what it took to fix our broken relationship with God? Romans 5 speaks all about this. 
It took a sinless man, God himself, dying in our place. It took Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Living the life for us that we couldn't live for ourselves. Being holy in our place so that God can look on us as his holy children. Jesus died for us. He rose before us and he went ahead of us to the place we're destined to go. But he didn't leave us. He sent the Holy Spirit to live in us. It's through him that we have this personal, intimate connection with God. Through Jesus, we know God. And through his spirit, he is ever present with us. Through Jesus, he showed us the humility, grace, mercy, and love of God in a profoundly personal way. He is the word of God. And by his word, we realize that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Even though we had rejected him and turned to, our com- to the comfortable darkness. Once we were slaves and servants and captives to sin. And we all marched towards death and the fury of God. But Jesus comes. In that quiet night. As one of us. To save us all. Jesus comes and sets things right between us and God. This is the the Christmas message. This is the Christian message. That Christ came to do what only God could do. He destroyed the power of sin in our lives. He destroyed it. Sin has no power over us. And Jesus satisfied the eternal consequences of wrath that that sin demanded. He brought true, everlasting life and freedom to anyone who would turn from this evil and broken place and place their trust in him instead. So in our relationship with God, we didn't love him. He loved us. We put no effort in to love him, but did the opposite. We rejected him and pushed him away to try to follow where we wanted to go. But Jesus comes and intercedes on our behalf. He loves the Father like we never could on our own. And now through his spirit, he has empowered us to love him like he loves the Father. Ephesians 2, 1 through 10 is my first verse today. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, 
in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving wrath. But because of his great love for us, that's worth highlighting right there. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. Even when you disregard God, even when you forget about him in the busyness of your life and whatever else is going on, God still loves you. Even in your sin, God still loves you. How can he do that? Because Jesus paid that sin in full. He paid for it in full. Verse 4 again says, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. It's often as though we feel like our relationship with God is the same as relationship with people or our best friends, and it's not. He is God, and the people of this world that we love can't compare to the love that he has for us. Most of the love you experience in your life is conditional. It's a two-way kind of love. I love you, and you love me in proportion to how much I love you. But God's love is completely different than that love. Even when you hated him and disregarded him and had no concept for who he was, he loved you the same then and the same now. That's the beauty of God and his love. He never changes and neither does his love. Not based off of what you have done or what you will do. God's love is persistent. It's enduring and it lasts forever. That's the main thing I want you to take away from today. That is why we look to and worship Jesus. Because he is the visible image of the invisible God. The fullness of God dwells in Jesus. And through him we know the Father. Jesus proved that he is God. He died for our sake at the cross, enduring the wrath of God in our place. God raised him from the dead, confirming his divinity and his power over death. So what does this say about our relationship with him? 
God restored that relationship. God grows that relationship. And God maintains that relationship with us. For as many times as we fail and falter and ignore, God's love is persistent. It is his love. It is that love that empowers us. It is that love that calls us back to him over and over again. Either from ignorance or from sin or whatever it is, God's love is just this security blanket over our lives which gives us this assurance that doesn't go away. God himself has restored us to him. He has mended what was destroyed. God is love, and by his faithful actions, he shows us who he is, this unceasing love for us. Isaiah 55, 6 through 7, and I'll give you time to turn there. I got lucky that time. Isaiah 55, 6 through 7. We open it so you can bookmark it. And so if I get boring, you can read everything around it. (laughs) Isaiah 55, 6 through 7. Would somebody read that? So we know how much God loves us. How do we love him back? How can we respond to a love like that? The New Testament makes it clear in the way that we should show love to God. That is by loving him in response to his love and loving people. By following what he commands us to do, that is how we show God that we love him, that we respect him, that we cherish him, that he is valuable. We form our lives around him. Every decision that we make, everything that we do, everything that we cherish has him in mind. When we plan our future and the places that we will go, he is in the picture He is the central figure. When we decide what we want to do for fun, when we decide how we will spend our time, he is what we revolve all of that around. That's how we show him that we love him. We live by his spirit. We know that we can't do all those things that I just mentioned on our own. That's the beauty of it, is because God himself, by his spirit, empowers us to do that. It really, it's impossible for us to do on our own. But in essence, it is easy because you're not doing it. You're simply saying yes to God over and over and over again. You don't have to produce it on your own. 
You're just submitting to the Spirit and saying, yes, God, lead me where you want me to go. I want to please you. I want to live for you. I want you part of my life every moment of every day. I'll read part of James 4, which is a verse that I had originally had down. I'll read, I'll read part of it. You can read the greater context if you, if you would like. But James 4, uh, verse 7 through 10. Submit yourselves to God then. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. First John 4, 7 through 19 is the one that I'll have up here next. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world, that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. And then verse 13, this is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them, and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. Verse 16 is like the key verse today. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Verse 19, we love because he first loved us. So we have all this assurance of God's love. We have this blanket of his love that gives us this eternal confidence and this hope, this assurance that brings us along as little children. And our relationship is not with a buddy, but with God, who is our father, who watches over us and guides us in everything that we do. We need only to respond to his love. Colossians 6, or Colossians 2, 6 through 7. I'll have somebody read that one too. Maybe it's just easier if I point to somebody, right? <laughs> John, would you read that for us? Sure. 
So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Thank you. So there is the love of God. It empowers us to respond in faith. While I have regrets about the way that I have failed to make him my priority, the the center of my life and everything I do, I need to realize that he's not my buddy. Not simply a friend, he is our father, whose love endures forever. His mercies are new each day. When I want to hear from him, I only need to open up his love letter. Which speaks about how he never leaves his people and how he has provided his spirit to us. What more can I say? God has restored us to him. Remember that God does not love you in proportion to how much you love him. He loves you, proved by his Son, confirmed by the Holy Spirit. So your relationship is not founded on you. It's founded on Christ. Simply be willing to be led by the Spirit to respond to his love. Let's pray. Lord, give us the confidence and assurance that we need. Let us have peace. Let us have rest. Let us have that assurance that you provide, Lord, knowing that you've got us. We are yours and we belong to you and nothing's going to change that. Give us the strength and the wisdom that we need to be led by your spirit, Lord. Lord, make us the the light of this world, the good news that, that spreads the gospel, Lord. That speaks to our family. That calls up our long lost best friend, Lord. And when they ask what is new in our life, what's going on with us, we can be overflowing with the good news of your son Jesus and what he has done for us. Father, we pray that you would restore our relationships with people. And Lord, we are thankful that you have restored your relationship with us. In your love, we love you. Amen.